You are listening to Comedy Here Often. I'm your host, Kevy, and today on the show we have comedian Simon King and also other comedian Dave Harris. <laughs> yeah, sure. Pretty happy to be doing the podcast. Hey, Dave, how are you? Good. 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 Right. Really good. That's my radio voice. You sound great. Just basically David Putty. Oh, uh, I like yeah, yeah. A little upset. Hey, ball jacket. Grease monkey. <laughs> Gotta support the team. <laughs> I like the one where Elaine started dating that swimmer, and he was oh, bald. Oh, fuck but yeah. Then, oh, then yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he realized he's also balding, yeah, then yeah. he was not yeah. cool to her anymore. You mean I could be dating this hair? <laughs> <laughs> Let me like, have a look at the ring again. So shallow. Oh, God, that was funny. Everyone in that show is so shallow. That was Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah, was it? Yeah. Tim Watley? No, no, no. no. Oh, Tim the, Watley was the, the dentist, yeah. No, the bald guy. Oh, yeah, sorry. The bald sorry, guy was, the bald was guy? someone. I can't remember. He, he was, was an actor, too. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a big actor. There's so many fucking famous people on that show. I remember Especially Kevin McDonald did like a two-second part. Yeah, the, the denim guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that, uh, uh, what's his face? There's that, like all his girlfriends, too. Terry Hatcher? Terry Hatcher. They're real and they're amazing. Oh, she was good in that. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking famous people on that show. Yeah. It's probably the show everyone wanted to be on. I think so, yeah. I mean, there'll never be a show like that again it'll yeah. never exist in that way because syndication isn't the same anymore either yeah so you gotta think that money doesn't exist anymore that big way. bang theory yeah but it doesn't it, well yeah it does <laughs> but it's also not it's not universally appealing the numbers for big bang theory are actually lower than the numbers because network tv was king in the late 90s right like what about how i met your mother oh well sure. that was it was like pretty it was pretty good it, you Thank gotta 90. think about the numbers oh i'm not saying equality i'm just saying that i thought they no made i mean a lot it, of... the, but the, what i'm saying is the numbers oh, like were the... not because as soon as as soon as youtube came in and stuff it actually started to People are disconnecting. They started to affect network. Network television now oh, appeals yeah. to the majority of modern family flyover states. High numbers, didn't they? Oh, they they have great. I mean, they yeah. have insanely good numbers. But I mean, you're not talking like oh, Seinfeld, Seinfeld numbers. Like, what the season finale had like millions. Yeah, and millions. It, it, it must was, just it was like the third be so skewed viewership wise because I mean, Love Boat probably trumps all those shows oh, yeah, yeah. because Dallas. it was one of two shows <laughs> Wasn't on. Dallas yeah, yeah, huge yeah. too. Yeah. What's that? Dallas. Yeah, Dallas was big. And Dallas. I remember this is how big network television was in the uh, fucking 80s. So apparently, I don't know if this is true. I believe this is true. The uh, A-Team was the yep. biggest show at the time. Like, oh, really? Fucking big show. And they um, they went in. The, all the cast of the A-Team went in on like the third or fourth season. And they were like, we need a raise. Good on it? We're recording. Great. Hello. Oh, good. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Are you doing the video, though? I will be doing the video. Yeah, we're we're just gonna keep talking, and you hit record whenever. It's recording now, so just when you want to. Great. I don't even want to do intros on these. Seriously, we'll just cut in. We'll just fade it in. Should I shut up? Do you want to change the topic? No, no, no. I like this. This is what I want to talk about. So apparently, I don't know how true this is, but apparently, the the, the cast of the A Team, the biggest show on television at the time, they go into ABC. I think it was ABC, and they go, "Hey, we all need." I think I think they wanted like a fifteen percent raise, and the network's like, "Well, what are you gonna do if we don't do it?" And they go, "Well, you know, I mean," and they're like, "You know what? Cancel it." And they just cancel the show. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the biggest show. Cancel the fucking show because they're like, "We'll make another one. We got a puppet that wants to eat cats." I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like they, that's how that's how TV worked back then. Great they Alf reference. Yeah, I like it because you came on barely about music, my podcast, and also made an Alf oh, reference. Oh, did I? Just keep doing it. You know what? Have I told you that thing I do sometimes where I'll constantly make references to Nazi gold? And so uh, for, for the last twelve years, anytime yeah. I do, not anytime, but sometimes when I do a radio interview, or a TV interview, or a print interview. I'll occasionally slip some reference to Nazi gold in it. Yeah. I don't know what it'll be. Just a joke, like, oh, I don't have to work real hard because I got all that Nazi gold or whatever. Because I think, should I ever get famous <laughs> uh-huh. and then die in a fiery wreck, right. one day a conspiracy theorist is going to be like, you know why they killed him? It's because he kept talking about that Nazi gold. <laughs> That's what yeah, it means. Right. And they'll go back and they'll loop it together. I am leaving Easter eggs. And now that person's going to listen to this and be like, ah. No, that's, this is the biggest Easter egg. <laughs> and I'm glad well, to be a part of it. It's true, right? This yeah. is the big Easter egg. Your death will mean something. Yeah, that's the only way it's going to mean anything. That's all we ever want, isn't that right? <laughs> what do you want your death to mean, Dave? Oh, nothing. Just party. Okay. Party <laughs> death? Know, just okay. kidding. No, I, no, hey, I what's know. the tattoo on your back say? Uh, you only die once. I thought... <laughs> What? It doesn't say that. It does. Get rich or die trying. No. Big 50 Cent fan. No, it says you only die once. It's the Grim Reaper having a drink. Because Kevin Banner was just on this for the last episode, and he said, that life, he said that it says life's a beach, and it's a Grim Reaper on the beach. No, he was he's, close. It's a Grim Reaper on the... It's He's holding a beach umbrella and a uh, like a cocktail. Yeah. And it says you only die once. Well, now you know what it should have said. Yeah, yeah, life's a beach? Yeah. Yeah, that would be good, yeah. too. I mean, we can change it tonight. Yeah. Whoa, Simon knows how to tattoo, I bet. I do, I do, actually. I, mostly prison tats, but I mean, I can do it. <laughs> that would be painful. I can do it. Yeah, it, but, well, it'd be painful. But we got to figure out what it's going to say instead of you only die once. Gotta, right. you got to shave down some chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can't have that written on your back, dude. That won't no, make any sense. Too no, much of a sentence. You take your shirt off and it says you got to shave, shave down some chopsticks. No, I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, it for seems the, racial. For the, uh, no, uh, for to tattoo me, like the tattoo me. That says like a Japanese. Tattoo name. me is that's his no. Japanese tattoo artist. Tattoo me. Tattoo me. Oh yeah, Doug. Doug tattoo me. Doug tattoo me. <laughs> Doug tattoo me. Yeah, that tattoo me sounds like a planet from Star Wars. <laughs> tattoo me. Uh, tattoo me. Yeah. Remember tattoo, tattoo the the singing Russian girls. Yes. Oh they're yeah. They're tattoo artists. Tattoo the singing Russian girls. Now yeah. that's that's a. Nice they were good. Were they? That is a deep cut. What's that? They were popular for a yeah, while. Yeah, they had a Smiths cover that no. A Cure cover that was quite no, a yep. Smiths cover that was quite big, and they also had uh, all the things to say. Yeah, yeah, that was their big. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and the in the music video they were like sensual with each other. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you were like, are they sisters? I don't even know what. Nobody yeah, knows, yeah, yeah. Right? They shouldn't be that way. Yeah, but it's, I'm still going to the bathroom. <laughs> 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 so Simon you said if, if you ever get famous but your first record was called Unfamous yeah. which is also your Twitter handle yeah. and I like that you called it that because you look about nine years old in the photo I yeah I look nice it's funny when I shave off my beard mm-hmm. I still have someone last night said to me that I looked about like eight years younger than I am you, you look so young you're just saying that yeah. yeah. if I shave my beard off mm-hmm. uh, Yevgeny Beardoff also in the band tattoo Yevgeny uh, <laughs> <laughs> sh- <laughs> Beardoff sounds like a great scientist I will do your tattoo I'm Yevgeny Beardoff yeah. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if I shave my beard off, I do look quite a bit younger. And someone said to me, I posted a picture. The first time I shaved my beard off uh, in like 10 years, I mm-hmm. did it because I think I shaved it off for my friend's wedding in 09. So, mm-hmm. yes, it was, was that a request time. from the bride or the groom? No, no. It was just a matter of just, oh, uh, no, she did request it. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Because she said, hey, uh, she said it through my friend. She goes, hey, could you just let him know that? <laughs> I don't like this. And to be fair, I did look like a raccoon with mange with my beard back then because I barely have a beard now. But back then, well, I don't have a beard like you. That's a pretty good beard. Yeah, you got so, a good beard too. You look very put together you, today, yeah, Dave Harris. Yeah, yeah, oh, really? Well, I, I got a haircut. I got to go away, so I had to get groomed. Right. right. Yeah, you look good. You do look oh, good. Stop it, Simon. What What else happened at that wedding? I want to know. So you shaved I was your the beard. MC and the uh, and the best man. Okay, which is incredibly difficult to do, and I would not recommend it. It's stressful being a uh, best man. Yeah, I couldn't take advantage of the getting drunk part because right. I was. I mean, I did at the end. I mean, and it, it's my best friend in the whole world, so of course I'm going to do anything he asks. But I was like, I, I didn't really MC it. Really? I don't like MCing weddings. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to be yeah. part of it. And then the mm-hmm. whole time I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, ah, what if I can. Yeah. Let's move it along. People got to get to the shrimp. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like I say that in regular life anyway. Yeah, weird, no. Especially at the bank. I mean, that's oh, besides oh. the Nazi gold thing, that is kind of your catchphrase. Yeah, yeah it's like, Nazi gotta gold. Get to, the get to the shrimp. That should be my next album is Nazi gold. I was Simon actually. King Treasury. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. And the artwork's the dollar bill with your face <laughs> on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, a gold, a gold bar. Featuring the number one Hitler. All right, I got to go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and when we do that, we should put a bunch of Illuminati stuff on there just to yeah. really fulfill yeah. the prophecy that you know yeah but spell it illuminati and a-u-g-h-t oh yeah like, so like that'd be what good is it, porno. some sort of sex cult yeah uh, that'd be great or illuminati by nature is the next rap yeah that'd be <laughs> you down with world government yeah you know me <laughs> yeah you down with globalism yeah you know me <laughs> It writes itself. It does write itself, really. I think that song probably wrote itself. I oh, think what it was did. your first ever album? My that that I made or heard that you heard. Okay, that you so bought. my let's say that you bought. What's your first? My you first ever piece of music I owned was "Bat Dance" by Prince on twelve inch. Nice, which Ooh. is such seems fake because it's too cool to yeah, to that's say. Pretty cool because usually it's like a you know a raffy thing or something like that. Yeah. But my mom's cool and she was super into that kind of music. Yeah. But I was just talking about how "Bat Dance." was a number one hit, and it shouldn't have been because there's almost no lyrics in it. It's like yeah. nine minutes long. It's mostly samples. Yeah. And he put it together in like five seconds yeah. because when Prince was writing the music for Bat- Batman, the first movie, he was uh, uh, he, he wrote a song called Dance with the Devil, which is a quote from the movie. Yeah. And then while he was writing it, he became a Jehovah's Witness. He was like, this is too evil for me. Yeah. So then he wrote Bat Dance in like one night. He so became basically, a Jehovah's Witness? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Do you think yeah. he knocked on doors? Uh, he did a version of it. He actually hired Kevin Smith to make a what Kevin Smith thought was going to be a, a documentary in his tour, but it was actually a Jehovah's Witness recruitment video. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What was your first uh, piece of music you ever owned? Uh, I had a tape of the single Unbelievable by the band EMF. Oh, nice. The unbelievable. Oh, nice. That's like 1990. I always thought that was Marky Mark, man. Okay. It was about this is the same sort of thing, and I remember there was a big deal about them because they would wear shorts, and everyone was like, "Shorts, 
This is the age. Seriously. Well, this was the age of, this was just the end of that weird heavy metal ballad thing that everyone went through in like right. the late 80s where for some reason people thought, you know what they want is uh, guys in spandex playing acoustic guitars. Right. <laughs> That's and, hot. And they, they, were, they were right for 30 seconds. <laughs> and then, and then the, the, the flashback that the rebound was EMF. Unbelievable. That's where we ended up. Then you lose your, you lose your boner. Yeah, you do. You? Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. That was one of those ballads, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. You lose your boner. <laughs> it was on Use Your Illusions 3 by Guns N' Roses. That's the illusion he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, illusion of the boner. Oh, Dave boy. Harris, what was your first music? My first album I ever bought was a CD. It was um, it was Warren G, actually, Regulator. Regulator. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Death mm-hmm. Row. Wow. Yeah, what was that, 94? That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it'd be a that was on the yeah. Above the Rim soundtrack. Yeah, but then he, he came out with his solo album, mm-hmm. and that was on there too. Because when he... did he? He was he, Snoop Dogg was the one that discovered him, right? Yeah, wasn't it? Well, so Snoop Dogg was ninety two. So yeah. Warren G knew Dre, and then Snoop Dogg is Warren G's cousin. So Warren oh, okay. G showed Doctor Dre Snoop Dogg's cassette. Oh, and that, okay. And then oh, at the time, Snoop Dogg was seventeen. Yeah, and so when he came in and did a, a song with Dr. Dre, death it was called Undercover. I think it was for a movie. I think it was for the movie. Oh, I, Undercover uh, with um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Is that yeah, what you're about? I yeah. think I think that was the movie, and that was Snoop Dogg's first ever recorded music, and it was a Dr. Dre song wow. featuring Snoop Doggy Dogg. Yeah, that's a hell of a way to start. That's good, right? Jesus Christ! Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dre has discovered a new major hip hop voice in three decades. So he first he was discovered Easy E. Yeah. We started NWA and uh, and Ice Cube. Ice Cube was just a writer in NWA for yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, but I actually like Ice Cube's music more than than yeah. NWA or Ice or. Uh, I think because he was talented. He's very talented. Yeah, yeah. He's very talented. And then he discovered Snoop Dogg, and then he discovered Eminem and Fifty Cent, and, and now Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, Lamar and yeah. Anderson Pack. Oh, yeah. was Kendrick? I didn't know Kendrick Lamar. Was, yeah, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, Anderson Jesus Christ, Pack that's a hell of a that's amazing a hell of right a streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. Wow. And then he sold his Beats by Dre to Apple for billions of yeah, dollars. Yeah, it was a $790 million deal. Or something. <laughs> and he, he erroneously said he was rap's first billionaire, but I'm like, but that's not rap's billionaire, that's business billionaire. That's headphones billionaire. Yeah, that's headphone billionaire. It's like it's like 50 Cent sold vitamin water for like $350 million. Oh, bucks. yeah. It wasn't, he didn't make $350 million off one of his subsequent albums. He just sold vitamin water. Well, well also- I mean, like, There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, I drink vitamin water, it's fine, but I'm just saying- Well, like, like and Jay-Z and Pete Diddy, they're- Billionaires before that. Well, they're multi-millionaires, yeah. hundreds yeah. of millions. Yeah, but they're they, now they got it basically from rap and everything around mm-hmm. it, like tertiary mm-hmm. industries. But I think so. It'd be like it'd be like if you so it'd be like if you made um, ten million dollars off comedy, which you, you will. Made, yeah, which you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm producing then, his album, uh, so and then you, I would love to have you as the voice of Siri. Siri? Just like oh. I you ask oh, hey, you a question Siri? and then you never quite get around to it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And you're like, hey, uh, hey, you... Davey, what's the weather like? Davey, you're like. I don't know. It might be twenty-two. <laughs> there you go. And then you giggle to yourself, and everyone's like, "I love this, Davy." Yeah, I, I mean, I get I get nothing done, but I love this. It. Is the this is the best game, Davy? Play Doctor Dre. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot about it. Yeah. You did. Um, <laughs> nice. But like, imagine if you made ten million bucks, and then you invested five million of that in an electric car company, and then that went through the roof, and you made a billion dollars. Yeah, you didn't make I mean, it you off technically comedy? did make the money off comedy, but you didn't make it off comedy. You um, know what I mean? Yeah, it's business like, decision. Yeah, it's business, and that's great. That's really good because I mean, my business decisions consist of. I should take those cans back. <laughs> and I don't. I still don't. I have hundreds of dollars worth of empties scattered you, you, around. It's, it's really? Easy. There's a lot of returnits. Yeah, I live in a fort made of tin cans. It's where I keep my Nazi gold. There's returnits everywhere. <laughs> There's returnits all over the city. Yeah, there are. I've never noticed them. Keep which... taking video cassettes in and going, sorry I didn't rewind. <laughs> oh, okay. cut. There's a blockbuster still in Oregon, apparently. I just saw that there's... It's the last one. Yeah, I just I saw that article. Ones, yeah. That's go- How is that not a sitcom? The last video store. It's that would be, be good. I don't understand how they don't come back. Like, because everything's so. Well, well Doug Stanhope still... released his last special on VHS. Brilliant. Oh, really? Urban Outfitters yeah. is selling uh, groups, mystery groups of VHS tapes. So you don't know what you're buying. Oh, that's. And nice. you open it and you realize it's six copies of old school and you're happy about it. Oh, wow. What so it'll be. I'm just. It won't be six copies of the same thing, but it will be six copies of something. Like and it's like Night at the Roxbury and those those kind of movies. What a fucking scam! That's, That's the best because you know yeah. they've just gone and they're like, no one gives a shit because <laughs> no one knows what the quality's like. Like kids nowadays don't know to adjust tracking; they have no idea what's. Going I know on. it's funny if you see something that was on TV in the '80s or '90s and it's like, 
like 90s like so, you know if you if you see footage of it it's like how did anybody watch this it's so blurry oh, yeah. and yeah. terrible oh, okay yeah. then also the new hd stuff is creepy because it looks like soap opera vision it's yeah. very weird it looks you're like right. behind the scenes footage yeah, yeah, it's well, like, like it. uh, yeah it's too yeah. real it's lens. not right it's i feel like it's like the difference between listening to vinyl and like super high quality digital is there's something about it that like there's no gray area yeah it's just yeah. not right i don't think we're designed to because I mean, everything you see and everything you hear and everything you feel is there. It's it's your brain's interpretation of it. It's not completely accurate, right? Yeah. Like there's a reason you can't see your nose all the time. Like it's just your brain blocks it out. Otherwise, you'd fucking freak out. That's a good point. So it's like <laughs> so everything that you're getting is an interpretation of that, and depending on your senses and your ability to interpret that, it's going to change how you view things. But I think the idea of having a little bit of not the ultra high quality is that gives you that chance to be a little bit have a gray area. And I mean, yeah. I I don't see the difference between. Uh, super high quality, you know, video, film or whatever. And then this ridiculous HD that now is so other than the fact that it's disconcerting. It, it looks like you're watching on a video now. It's weird. It's true. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. It's too real. I don't I want to I want to still believe that they're all attractive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck, man. Like, it's like <laughs> just a, joking. No, that was shallow. But I'm just saying when you watch a movie that's so like like straight up, it's just like this doesn't seem I don't. Yeah, I'm here to watch fun. Like, like it's almost yeah. like make believe. Like, not. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see. But yeah. like my son's generation, because he's two and a half, they're not gonna know unless they look for it. They're not gonna have anything other than that. So to them, that'll be normal. So yeah. maybe that's the thing. It's just because yeah. I mean, we're all. Well, you're a lot younger than us, though, aren't you? No, I'm Dave's age. Okay. Well, yeah. so we're in the same generation. Yeah. And so we we we're the analog to digital. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. music wise, we're the analog to digital generation. Mm-hmm. That's that leap. That's. I mean, the fact that we adjust as much as we do, considering mm-hmm. how much it's changed, mm-hmm. is remarkable. And then again, I look at my grandpa, who was born in 1923, and he has an iPad, so oh. I must be blowing his fucking mind. You know what I miss? The previews when on VHS. Yeah. Like, yeah. I still like watching those. Like, yeah. even like, oh, it's exciting. He was like, I should have rented that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't come out for months. There's only one blockbuster lift. Remember, remember going to get a tape, and then it was you didn't have it, so you had to randomly find, find something, something else? Oh, yeah. Or you go in the back, and you see the stack of return ones and you're so excited yeah, you know, well, maybe, yeah yeah you're like is that in i can see it right there because i remember i remember getting i remember renting tapes as late as like uh or dvds maybe not tapes but i remember renting dvds as late as like oh five oh six i remember that oh yeah like easy because i remember when i first started doing auditions on tape for mm. uh the states i would actually have to film it burn it to a DVD and then FedEx it down overnight. Wow. Because I couldn't send it because it was too big. Yeah. So that's that's 0506. So, I mean, that can't have been that far away. So here's my question because I don't know if you know this, but you and I went to the same high school. What? Yeah, I went to Langley Fine Arts. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I remember seeing you fencing in the hallway when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, that's right. But um, <laughs> also, here's who else went to art because we went to Langley Fine Arts. Yeah. You did. I did. Shirley Gnome. Shirley Gnome. I yeah, that, yeah, she's my age. And then uh, Tristan Risk. Tristan Actress Risk. Tristan yeah. Risk. Yeah, yeah. She's in a movie that I did music for called American Mary. And uh, I think some members of Gob. <laughs> Probably. Gob came from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gob, Gob was just everywhere. And the, there was a few people. Like It's funny how... like if I, I don't think it's a fine art school the same way anymore, is it? I don't know it because was. I didn't appreciate it at the time. I should have really been appreciating it because I got in there for drawing and painting. You were accepted based on being yeah. good at something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm assuming for you it was Alf Facts. <laughs> yeah, it's um, all Alf Facts. But you did, you did your first record so young. Like, where, How old were you when you did it? I'm famous? Yeah. Because uh, you started doing stand-up in, when you were a teenager, 20, right? No, I started when I was 22. Really? So so what happened with my... So the math about the reason I was in at LFAS is so... Because I, I dropped out of high school at 16. Uh-huh. I just turned 16. I dropped out of high school. And I was out of high school for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. then what happened was um, I thought about going to university. But in order to get my university... I thought about going to university. I had to get my high school. Okay. And so the deal was um, LFAS was like, well, we can bring you in as a assistant drama teacher and then on the slide you can get your degree no way and i was like great and because it would be easy for me and then what ended up happening is that kind of fell apart so after three months i was like i'm out of here so i was whoa. only there for three months whoa i can't believe i saw you in that time that's yeah, really Wait, weird so were you assisting mr bryson i was supposed to be wow and they didn't end up working out that deep way. cut only deep me cut. and simon know what we're talking oh, about yeah, right mr now. bryson hey yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey siri uh, <laughs> uh, but... oh this one okay there you go like that no, hold on a second. Pause the radio. Thanks, Pedro. Shout out, Pedro. Hey, Pedro. Thanks for adjusting the sound. How can I 
I get really close to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get like really close to it. And just yeah. Normally I have the mic so far off because I'm so loud. Uh-huh. So it was like nice that I'm not being. Yeah, how's it feel? Ridiculous. It's weird. I feel like a normal human. <laughs> but then Dave's is further away than mine, which is weird because Dave is like. It might be my levels I set so you can see the waveform. I'm more high pitched. I'm high pitched too. You are very high yeah. pitched. Yeah. You're a great app, Davey. Yeah. You are a great app. So you came to, to school and you were going to be a teenage drama assistant. Teenage drama assistant. Yeah. How did you get into being entertaining and dramatic and an actor in a community? I uh, was found in a cave. And <laughs> in that cave, the wolves had been... I did theater to stop the wolves from eating me. Everyone really? Mm-hmm. This is old Must stories. have been very entertaining. Uh, every day, the wolves would say to me... <laughs> But I don't speak wolf, and uh, so I would just I would just put on shows. I right. used to wig wigs out of moss and stuff, and uh, sure, is... they take nips out of me. But I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, criticisms everywhere, you know. No, I I I can't, I I, uh, I did my first ever play when I was seven. I was on stage. My mom was really into it's been in the theater and stuff since she was like three years old. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a show business family, and I was on stage from when I was about seven years old, and I just is in theater over yeah. in England or here. No, here, and uh, I was I was in theater and stuff. For a while, and then that's one of the reasons I left school is because I realized I'm like I didn't I didn't high school was brutal for me I didn't like it and it mm-hmm. wasn't I knew I wasn't gonna do anything normal and I was like oh this doesn't make sense yeah and then once I left school uh, to kind of appease my dad who just very old school like well you don't have a degree so I guess you're useless so <laughs> it was like okay I better go get my degree mm-hmm. and um, and then I didn't do it and then I I just kind of vacillated around and when I was 22 I finally like I had a couple of real jobs and never really worked mm-hmm. and uh and then i when i was 22 20 yeah 22 i got this job working for shaw that i never should have got without high school and uh, i lucked into it and it was more money than i ever made and yeah. i was just like okay well i've done that and i hated it so much really and, I, and and a month after i got that job i two two months after i got the job i tried stand up for the first time i was like mm-hmm. this is what i need to yeah. be doing this is what I should fail at, and so I. <laughs> so You're I not stayed, failing. You always say that. You're so respected and so funny and yeah, so good. Well, I don't even know how to use a microphone properly. I gotta, <laughs> Once you get that though, oh, I get that technique down. You gotta get close. I gotta get close. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how's everyone yeah. doing out there? All right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then I, I, I took a, I had an option of a layoff or a promotion when I was. Uh, 2002, May of 2002, and I took the layoff and walked away. Packed all my shit into my little scooter. Mm-hmm. And a scooter. You had a scooter? I had a scooter. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> good, good and guess. I went home, and then I was like, okay, now what do I do with the rest of my life? And 17 years later, I'm on this couch. Here we That's go. Good. That's how timelines work. Mm-hmm. Dave, are you? Because uh, you started doing stand-up semi recently. Oh yeah. Uh, so were you? What did, What were you thinking in high school? Uh, like what you were gonna do? Oh boy, I didn't know at all. But you were you were funny. Uh oh, I, I guess so. I yeah. was like the I don't know. I wasn't really pop. I was that guy that like everybody talks to, but you don't. Nobody like mm. hangs out with. <laughs> you know that okay. I can go from group to group like and be like, hey, how you doing? But like nowhere. Yeah. I had no. I had no click. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Is this around the time you're pulling those gnarly pranks on your brothers? Oh yeah. You should tell Simon. Oh no, Sarah's I can't. I can't say that on on. on yeah, absolutely, you should. On, no, I I used to have a problem with. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. <clears throat> all fecal based. Yeah. All fecal based. I used to poop in a lot of stuff and, yeah. and give it to people. Like, tell them about the gift you gave your brother. Uh yeah. When I oh no, uh yeah. When I was twelve, I I okay, I, can't, I can't say Just this. Say it. I took a I took a poop in a bowl like a cereal bowl, uh-huh. and then I wrapped it like for Christmas, and then put it under the tree like seven days before Christmas, for my one brother. And then he opened it Christmas morning, and it was a bowl of shit. It was worse than I thought. What? <laughs> it was worse than I anticipated. What did you think? <laughs> I think the days gone by made it worse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. they made it worse. Yeah, and that's why toilets flush. Uh, I know <laughs> because if they didn't, you'd be like, "Why is my house uninhabitable?" Seven days after, <laughs> but that yeah, and then my and then a couple of years later, my other brother, I, <laughs> I pooped. I took a poop, and I don't. I can't say this, this is so. It shouldn't gross. be so funny to me, but it really Everyone's is. Everyone's just gonna be grossed out. No, I, everyone's I, gonna love it. I took a poop, and then I, I used the coat hanger, and I managed to take a piece of the poop, and put it in his birthday card, <laughs> and then close it shut. That one I got in a lot of trouble. We were like my whole no family. No way. My family was at the dinner table and he opened his cards like in front of his cake and he like opened it up and and, and then my his brother was like, is this shit? And then my dad was like, what's wrong with you? 
He was really mad at me. <laughs> like pulling, doing those things to your brother in uh, privacy is one uh, thing, yeah. but your whole family. That's pretty yeah. epic, man. Like my grandparents. I, I don't know what I was thinking. That When I think back, it was like, yeah, of course he's pissed off that he just like Yeah, and cried the jackass guys car. made a career out of that. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. were ahead of your time, yeah, my friend. Exactly. Oh, no, this was just. You're an innovator. This is just yeah. a little dabbling. Just uh, leisure pranking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's epic. I don't think I would have the stomach to even pull off the prank. No, it was really bad. That, yeah, that was like I, I don't think I could have gone. When I was by myself doing it, I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> that little so. voice in your head. You're like, "Ah, I shouldn't listen to him." Yeah, yeah, yeah this is this is wrong. This is bad. Fucking voice. Yeah, but yeah, wow. yeah. I had no idea, Dave. See, now you know a new angle of Dave you never knew before. Yeah. I did like five others after that one. So I didn't stop there. See, the one I I was thinking was the boombox one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was when I was twenty. Simon's not even <laughs> shocked. He's just like interested. No, I, uh, I've, I've been around guys, and uh, I've <laughs> who hasn't found poop in their birthday? Oh party? no, it was so <laughs> that bad. One's... This one was really good because it was a stereo. It was my friend, uh, older friend. He was five years older than me, and he had all of his other friends there. Like they're at the time, I was twenty, and they were twenty-five, so they're more adult. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, I had a stereo box where I took the stereo, but I, I never opened the the directions. Or the little, um, what the hell? Cassette player? No, controller. Like, you would get a side controller. I never opened that. It was still in the packaging. So I took a poop in the stereo box and then put the directions and the controller on top. Yeah. So it looked like a brand new uh, stereo, like legit. And then I wrapped it and and he was in front of us. It was like a barbecue outdoors. He's like, he opened it. He was like embarrassed. Like his friends were like, oh, I didn't get him anything that good. Like they were like... Look at this loser buying a guy like a three hundred dollars stereo. Yeah, <laughs> and then he opened it. and He's like, he opened it and saw the directions and the and everything still in the wrapping. He's like, oh my god, you actually got me a stereo. And then he took the directions off and then saw that it was just the big poo. <laughs> and he threw the box like five feet in the air. I yeah, can't sure. believe you. You're the nicest guy I've ever met, and mm-hmm. you do the yeah. worst meanest yeah, that's pranks. Well, yeah, but it's gross. I shouldn't have done that. That was years Is ago. Is there anything you thought about shitting in that you couldn't shit in? <laughs> no, usually it's like no... that hot air balloon. Oh, uh, I don't far. know. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. No, all bets were off when it's shit because you're already gone that far. Yeah. You might as well. Yeah. Nothing matters. Yeah. Did they? Did they retaliate? <laughs> no, never. You're just bullying so you them. Just... <laughs> what? Well, what? that makes it bad. These were years yeah. apart, though. Like this wasn't like consistent. This was like every few years. I never had the gall to do it. It wasn't a weekly thing, or else I'd be. <laughs> yeah, if it was weekly, you'd probably uh, still be in, be in counseling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be in the, the fucking river. How do you keep shitting in the wall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you went right to Freud impression. Yeah. No, every it. few years it was a shit. Freud then, should talk to Dave Harris. Freud should talk to Dave Harris. <laughs> then I realized it was bad. Well, I yeah, that's something new about you. Yeah, now it we was know a long that. time ago. That was the last one I did. Was yeah, that was what eighteen years ago. Well, I just I just had a, some drinks with Dave Harris and his brother, and mm-hmm. his brother was wearing shorts in yeah. the winter time. Yeah, and then I found out he used to be a pro snowboarder, and then it made uh, sense to me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Simon, do you remember the first time you did stand up? How it went? Yes. Uh, it's funny. I was just talking about this with a, a buddy of mine from back in the day, who's no longer a comic. There really aren't any comics from back then left. There's a couple, but none none that were in my sort of class. Mm-hmm. And I did. Uh, I, w- I went to the old Yuck Yucks with the Plaza Nations. Okay. The Flying Club it was a it was a bar during Expo. Yeah. And this was 2000, so it was 14 years hence destroyed. Like it was just shit kicked. Wow. And um, I remember going there, and I he took a number at the time, or took a I think he took it out. No, they just gave it to you. I can't remember how they did it. And I was uh, I was it's like third. an open mic. Yeah. 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 Well, it was the Tuesday night show, but it was when you could just show up and get on it. Right. Because the comedy was at its worst point. In the year mm-hmm. 2000, like it was at the absolute ebb of ebb and flows because it was so bad. Um, people weren't selling tickets. No one was going to comedy clubs. I mean, Vancouver, shortly after that, Vancouver didn't have a comedy club for two and a half years. Like it just didn't. I mean, we're about to go club. through a similar thing because yeah. the mix is closing. Yeah. yeah. But we're going through that for a different reason now. We're going through that for the reason of there's just, it's simply just the, the property values in Vancouver are so crazy that the building's gone. And then, yeah. Uh, but I think with, with then, it was just, it just was not sustainable. Nobody came. I mean, they used it, as far as I know, as a laundering operation. That's why it survived. Um, and then wow. I was up third, and I did 
a bunch of crazy shit and I just talked and ran my I did a lot of impressions and characters and it mm -hmm. was over as fast as it happened and I remember coming on stage going okay I need to do that again right now like I'm it, the same feeling I still get these days it's funny yeah. I'll do a show now and I'll still be like I need to go do a show and it's the mm -hmm. same feeling mm -hmm. and I just couldn't wait to go and do it again I was living in the valley at the time too so I would drive into the city and do and there weren't there weren't really many independent rooms so I didn't really get a taste of independent comedy properly until mm -hmm. 2001 right when the laugh gallery opened and that was Dylan Reimer and Aubrey Tennant. And that was a little bit more because the club comedy that I was doing at the time was it was a terrible club. It was brutal. Mm -hmm. And I just started I started emceeing like a month in or something. Wow. It was like one of my first shows very early on. You were already emceeing. Yeah, and I was opening on the road six months in. And wow. so it was like it was a very different world back then. Like yeah. so there was no learning curve. You didn't have a chance to enjoy being a comic. It was just like now you're working. And then when you start working, Especially back then, you're a mouth to feed, and it was it was a very harsh and hostile environment to be a comic in Vancouver. When did Laugh Lines start? Well, Laugh Lines was way before that. So Laugh Lines had existed a long time, but I didn't know about that club. Yeah, neither. I lived in New. I grew up in New Ass. Didn't yeah. even yeah. know it existed. It's know right next it. to Strip Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it is now, but back then it was uh, across it was the a street. Cool old club up the up the up the. Yeah, there's paintings was... of people. Oh, sorry, I just were, yeah. stop hitting that. I'm sorry. Just kidding. Go there on. was uh, yeah, people painted on the wall as yeah. a like a fake line up. And now the they painted over, and it was like Brent yeah. Butt and. Yeah, I know. I can't believe they painted over that. So bad. That's cool. But yeah, that club used to be upstairs, and it was this cool little room. Mm -hmm. And then they moved it to the theater to increase capacity. It's never been the same since. But yeah, I remember that. But Laugh Lines, I didn't even know about this. The only club I knew about, the only place I knew was Dylan Reimer would run this room on a Wednesday. Because mm -hmm. Dylan said to me, he's like, they'd written me off. They thought I would had quit comedy because I was only doing one show. So I did comedy for six months as regularly as I could. Mm -hmm. And I just got worn out. And I, I didn't move into the city until 2001. So I had all this time where I just wasn't really... Mm -hmm. And comedy was brutal back then. And there were a lot of people in very bad moods because it was about 15 years since the boom ended and they mm -hmm. were pissed. And there wasn't a lot of opportunity. And it just... A lot of it got taken out on the new guy, uh, especially yeah. the new guy who was trying hard. Yeah. Um, and it just did a lot of damage to me. So I just was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So I was doing it once a month. And then when the Laugh Gallery opens... I remember I used to work nights at my job and I, I adjusted it so that I could get out on Wednesday nights at least once a month to do that show. Mm -hmm. And then I would do that and little shows I could. And that kind of kept me in the game because it gave me somewhere I could go where. And because I had been working so long, they automatically started putting me at the end of the show because I was the only guy who had any time. Mm. And then I still was humming and hawing. And in 2002, the I left my job. And that was in May. And in August, I started a room that I took over from a friend of mine named Paul Bro, who no longer is a comic. And this little 40-seater, you know, mm -hmm. maybe twice the size of this room. Mm -hmm. And um, every week I would close the show with a new 20 minutes. And I would, I would pay the host, and the, MC, the host and the acts out of my money and buy them drinks and stuff. And Because the idea was that I realized I had to build material incredibly quickly to catch up to what I thought was two and two and a half years that I had lost yeah, yeah. or two years that I had lost. Yeah. And so it, it taught me really early on that like, and I had a good show so I could trade my stage time. You could work my show and I could work your show. And then slowly mm -hmm. but surely more rooms started popping up, mm -hmm. but it was really, it was not a lot of good. And that room ran for eight months and it was consistently quite busy. Yeah. Um, and the same people would come every week. So you'd have to do new shit, oh, which was great. Yeah. And then when that went away, I was at that point, I was back in the system, but the comedy scene in Vancouver really didn't, get going strong until mm -hmm. mid 2000s like at least it, well, that for the newer people here's what i've heard too is that when you started because you're so animated and so charismatic you had some certain veterans shaking in their boots who had to be on the same show as you oh, so i, I imagine that. it was they were feeling competitive and i've heard that about other mm -hmm. comics that are that i like you know what i mean yeah. like american comedians will will say you know like like Boston comedians would be like, oh no, that guy's on the show. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, follow yeah. him, but they—it's like a newer person yeah, too. So yeah. I think you were similar to that when you were probably there, and so probably it was feeling hostile to you for maybe that reason also. Well, my energy was much less contained back then, so I still had the same horsepower. <laughs> I just didn't have as good of tires, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I, and I was just a ball of ridiculous. I would just yeah. do insane shit, and I had just had—I didn't really have jokes so much as I just talked and I was this kind of weird guy I was like a cartoon and then and you did impressions yeah too. impressions yeah. and characters and stuff and it's funny because I used to think because everyone used to say he's not a writer he can't write Simon King can't write that's what I was told for years and then I realized no it's just that I was performing better than I was writing yeah. so it's and then I realized like looking back on it now because um, I used to think oh man I had no point and I even jokes back in his earliest sort of 2003 I, I have jokes that had real points to them I was like mm -hmm. oh I was always that guy I just didn't yeah. know how to do it as well yeah, and it was just crazy. Like I remember, I did. Um, I don't know how true this is, um, but 
this is an example. Like I did the Seattle comedy competition, San Francisco and Seattle comedy competitions back to back in 2004. And uh, I, I, I won on in Seattle. I won five out of the six nights, I think it was. Yeah. It's a prestigious. Uh, uh, yeah. Thing. And just in the Mitch first Hedberg round, I just, won that. Yeah. And so I won it five out of six nights in the first round. And somebody came to a comedy show. One of the comics came to a comedy show. Hey, Simon's just won. Because we didn't have the internet the same way. Like you yeah. couldn't really get the result. It's like Simon just won five out of six nights. The only other comic that's ever done that is Hedberg, right? Yeah. Which just doesn't mean anything because it's a totally different issue. But that was just what someone because said. Because he killed himself? And that, yeah, <laughs> just kidding, no, I'm just and that, and that turned into when I got back <laughs> from Seattle after I washed out in the second round. Oh, I hear you think you're better than Hedberg now. Oh. I literally had not been in town. for, mm. And that's how that shit just would... Like yeah. when I lived in Los Angeles, I would go back and forth to LA all the time. People were like he's not even going to LA; he's just living in his closet. Like honestly, I'm not kidding. Just people just it's just so bananas, competitive. and it was just this competitiveness and this aggressiveness, and um, it was just a constant. There was an online forum where it was just gloves off, go to war with Simon King. It's funny because you, you, you know, I and I'm not downplaying anyone's difficulties now, and I'm not mm-hmm. downplaying what anyone's going through now. But when I hear about comics now complain about hostility in the scene, I'm like, you have no fucking idea what yeah. it was like yeah. like and that was i mean admittedly i'm a i'm a white straight guy so i didn't have certain levels of hostility towards me and i'm not saying that other people don't experience it but mm-hmm. in terms of having actually gone through a lot of that shit like yeah. it was one guy ran a room and i was the only comic not allowed to perform in it and oh. i'd never even performed in it i was just not allowed yeah oh, just because crazy right yeah and that's all gone now that's a long time ago and yeah. but the point is is those are the things that make you go okay how do i how do yeah. I grow into this and how do I learn to from these? And the funny thing is, is whenever I get anything now, whenever anything happens for me now, mm-hmm. I always think, well, this is for the people that said I could, but more so for the people that said I couldn't. Absolutely. Because I'm just like, all right, fine. And, and I and I outlasted almost all of them. I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. I got no one else to go. Oh. <laughs> you, can, you can stay at my house. I should have started <laughs> shitting in boxes and mailing it to Oh, them. shit. Yeah, that's going to haunt me until the end of my days. I just want to be there. I know who to call if something goes bad with a neighbor one day. I'll be like, oh. Dave, oh. I need your Dude, you're, skills. you're like Norm MacDonald in Dirty Work, dude. You should start a revenge Oh, service. yeah. Well, I, it'd be too much. It would be too shitty. <laughs> <laughs> you're just ordering fiber by the bucketful. What's oh, going yeah. on with Dave? Oh, so, he's a big, big, big client. I'd be regular. Adversely, um, Dave, you're relatively new, but it seems like everyone loves you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's true. I don't know. Because the comedy I... scene in this city can be really pretentious. Oh, fuck yeah. And everyone fucking loves you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I think it's just because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an idiot. Okay. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I try to be. But you, you, have, you have a disarming uh, quality about you, but you're still edgy. It's, it's oh, interesting. Really? You're a very unique. Yeah. I've, I've not seen. I mean, I've seen tens of thousands of shows probably at this point and I, I don't think I've seen anyone quite like you which is probably a oh, good thing. Oh, thank yeah. you. Because I mean you're very different from from yeah. most anyone I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well no. I, I love comedy so much I just um, I think that anything you do any profession when you start out new I like to be like really respectful yeah. no matter what to everyone yeah. else that has been doing it because I think that's the way anyone should there's yeah. so many yeah. other people that you can learn from and talk to, and it's just fun to yeah. make sure that they know, like, hey, you are you know what you're doing, and I don't know what I'm doing. So, are you competitive at all? Um, Do you have that in you at all? I want to, I, I think you don't have to be competitive to be successful. That's that true, sense? Mm. but I think Simon and I have a little bit of competitive oh, spirit yes. to yeah, us. Sure. I, I think I, I always wanted to do this and just maybe not be competitive, just do what I think want to do mm-hmm. which makes me feel good and try to make everyone else around me feel that's great good too and then see where that goes that's I don't a great know. quality i like being competitive i mean yeah. sorry i don't like being competitive i don't know i can't explain it i got what you're saying yeah like you, you just want to do your thing and you don't want to you don't want to be influenced you don't want the idea of competition to influence you you just want yeah to, you just want to exist in your space yeah, yeah. and if, and hopefully that gets me somewhere and then because i think being overly competitive for people that are or not Eric, like I I do, uh, well, I went to film school and then mm-hmm. dabble in acting and mm-hmm. the people that do that, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying they're arrogant, but some people are competitive and very arrogant, like yeah, all the time. And it's just like. Someone someone told me once, thank you, someone told me once that uh, the really talented people tend to be the nicer ones because they're yeah. not as insecure. It's oh. true. Like they tend to, they have this thing where, I mean, not always true, but by and large, because they're just like, well, I, I do. I do my thing and I do it my way and I'm not really worried. And, you know, it depends on their journey and what's happened to them. But, yeah, yeah like a person like yourself, like I don't think I, – I don't 
ever see you on a show. Like, you can watch a show with, like, ten people, and there'll be, like, two or three comics basically are the same, and then there'll be, like, another mm. couple of comics who are the same as comics who maybe aren't there, but it's a similar sort of thing. And then there's mm. someone like yourself who's just so different that, mm. like, you're not... You couldn't be competitive with anyone if you wanted because there's no one that does what totally. you do. You know, yeah. you just don't. Ex- you're running the race backwards. You're doing it differently. <laughs> oh, no. And it actually, it's it's part of the beauty of what you are because yeah. you're just one of these guys. Like when I say when I bring you up on stage, if I'm ever I'm seeing for you, it's like you're just unique in the comedy world. I yeah. just don't see it. Yeah. Much. You know, yeah, it's not totally. a lot of guys with severe head injuries out there. Who are oh, still yeah. you're no, the yeah. best oh, at no. the hospital. Yeah, no, yeah, I I'm just love kidding. it. Oh, okay, I just um, love it a lot. So yeah, I just I don't know. I just really enjoy it and. I, yeah, just. I think too, um, because your pacing and personality is so unique, you're a breath of fresh air on a big bill. Do you think you agree with that, Simon? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I, but I think that about you too. Yeah. Well, I think I think the idea, the funny thing about Vancouver is that we're spoiled in a sense that there is a lot of uniqueness in our comedy scene. Totally, I mean, we have if a you great go to scene. Most other comedy scenes are quite homogenous, and there's a lot of sort of the same, mm. you know, so many comics. L.A. is really bad for this. Totally, uh, the girl got on stage and be like, "What else is going on?" Right off the top, they'll be like, "We made it, guys." We made it. And it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And you can look at the... Like in that it's pandering or... Yeah, well, there's a lot of it. You can see as soon as the person gets on stage, you can pretty much guess what they're going to talk about and how they're going to talk about it and what it's going to come up and why. Mm -hmm. And the structure, and you kind of see it. I mean, it doesn't happen as much in Vancouver. It does happen, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same. Because comics here, I think, because there is this kind of culture of, of individuality amongst comedians in this city, that it is quite... Because, like, if you look at yourself, and even me... Like so, I was gonna say you're very yeah. Unique I'm as I'm, a I'm what you would Absolutely. call an alternative comic, but I'm also a club comic. Like I'm, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's like so it depends on how you, how you, place yourself because Vancouver you kind of have to be that. You have to have those skills. You have to have if you want to survive as a comic mm-hmm. in Western Canada, particularly, you have to be able to do the mainstream comic shit, like play these rooms, and you have to do it mm-hmm. because you can't just sit around navel gaze and be like, I'm gonna make my living doing you know 12 festivals a year and yeah. you know and having a, a quirky little podcast that like a handful of people listen to that you can't do that here mm-hmm. it doesn't exist here and so i think in order to survive you have to be strong but you also want to be unique and and i think there's so many people who are unique in this city that you just it encourages you our our comedy culture is that of be yourself as much as possible. Now, it wasn't before, but it mm-hmm. is now yeah. very much be yourself as much as possible. And I think that's why comics like yourself thrive mm-hmm. because people are like, great, it's just accepted that this is Dave. He just does this. This mm-hmm. is just what Dave does. Yeah. And and no one comes up to you. I'm sure people probably bother you, but if very, I'm, I, I, I would be surprised if very often people are like, you should do it this way. Don't do it like this. Just flat out do it like this. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I worry about is that I feel like I'm sometimes I'm disrespectful to the comedy formula just because no such thing. No, I no thing. I should probably be more structured. I know I'm supposed no, to be don't. structured and like that's that sounds have like solid someone material and gave you advice yeah, that not... uh, that to be more like them the way yeah. they do it. Yeah, yeah. This is working for you. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, VR. but still, yeah. I get there's a formula that works and like that but there isn't. that you should follow. There isn't though, and or kind of not. But, but you see, and, and and I think that what's happening is that like so people used to say to me, "Slow down, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Impressions are garbage. No one likes this." It's a, and I would always do the joke first, and then the impression like building. I was always trying to be careful about that. So for me, it it caused me to boomerang to completely throw away impressions and characters for like five years to learn mm-hmm. how to be a comic without any of it, mm-hmm. um, which is a drastic thing, but it was it was because of the pressure I was under in a lot of ways to prove myself, and yeah. I proved myself as that kind of comic, and yeah. I'm happy with that now. But it took something away from me, and I think that if you, if you conform, if you try to conform, or if you believe that what you're doing is wrong, I think it will take something away from you that makes you unique. I think you just leave... Whatever it is, whatever little engine that's going on in there that makes you do what you do, don't fucking touch it. Just, okay. just amplify it. Yeah. That's all. You just crank that volume up, man. Because quite frankly, there is no formula. There's nothing. I mean, look, there are people out there who play like ukuleles with rubber chickens. I, they fucking I, do. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. That's the one great thing about what we do. It doesn't. There used to be a guy who would climb in a balloon, and hop around the stage in a balloon, and then it would pop. And that was his act. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> but I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And that's technically stand-up. Yeah. Because it's nothing else. We're just this weird soup kitchen of entertainment. Yeah, it can be anything, really. Well, it can, yeah. Well, I saw a guy... At, oh, sorry to interrupt you. Go for it. I saw a guy at open mic the other... Like, two weeks ago that like was playing, like, ukulele and guitar with, like, tap shoes on. I don't know what yeah, you're saying I, I saw that guy, yeah. He wears, like, a fisherman's hat. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, just yeah. To, I mean, look at look at the way comedy has evolved. It's mm-hmm. gone to this weird. Like I was never a big Hicks fan, and I was never, and everyone would think I was, but People I wasn't. Would assume that was, about you. Yeah, but I wasn't. I was like, it was like, no, he was too condescending and mean to the audience, and it mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't connect with them. Mm-hmm. He admonished them, and I understand that that was because of the time he was in. Yeah, I mean, he came from a time when back then ninety percent of the people were like, oh man, that shopping cart will believe you, and then he was out there going, <laughs> I can't believe you people are fucking putting up with this shit. Yeah, and so he He's was a angry. Yeah, to that. yeah, and he yeah. came up in Texas in the eighties. Yeah, and he was doing comedy from when he was like fifteen or something. Yeah, so like. But I mean, with without without the necessity to, to push yourself away from something that is all consuming and mainstream, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Vancouver is that because it doesn't have that weird mainstream. I mean, there are comics in this city that would not survive in mainstream quote unquote comedy, like club comedy or doing mm-hmm. they just wouldn't survive. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they have to. Yeah. They just do what they do. It doesn't mean they're better or worse. No, they're just different. And and by the way, um I really hate that someone that people tried to come down on you for doing impressions and voices and stuff like that because not everyone can do that and it makes audiences happy and i love it so it pisses me off man the funny thing is some of those people actually did an impression or two in their act yeah and it was funny i was going it was always but at the time i had no confidence i still you a shy person when you do impressions too you do it differently than people that do regular impressions you put your spin yeah. On the person that you're impersonating, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I always tried to write the joke first. So, like, the whole reason I ever got an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression in, in like, 2004 was because I read a thing about how he refused to get paid for being governor, and then I wrote a joke about that. And then in order to make that joke work, I was like, oh, it would be funnier if, if I could. And then I learned it. And yeah. that was just how I did that. I would just yeah. write the joke first, and then be, okay, the joke, this is what the joke's going to be, and this is how we're going to do it. And this is how what I need to learn. So I didn't see that as a problem. I thought, well, I'm just teaching myself a skill yeah. to... Because, yeah. yeah, like you said, I find a lot of people that do impressions do an impression of the person, but how they would say something, like not... Yeah. yeah they don't, they don't yeah. put their own stamp on it. They just say... Well, something. catchphrases, I mean, as soon as you say a catchphrase, 50% of the work's done. Mm-hmm. You know, because the audience is just automatically hearing that voice in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if you say, I'll be back. Well, yeah, everyone hears that. Yeah. And they go, that okay. That made then... both me and Dave so happy when you just did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the funny thing is then when you talk like this, you have to be able to have a conversation without that in your head. And so this is like a normal man talking about Dave shitting in a box at Christmas. Oh, shit. And that's the thing that he did at Christmas, and that's normal. That's normal to do that. But see, the thing is, so like if you can have, if you can be able to do that, then I think that's not a mastery of it, but it gives more versatility no, so you can write more jokes. But and it, your Schwarzenegger impression sounds different than like Pete Holmes or whoever. Yeah. It's, it's he, your he's got own an early, he's got a 90s, like late yeah. 90s. I do them on the older guy now. Yeah. This is how he is yeah. today. <laughs> and this is what they think that he would sound like if he was here. Mm-hmm. Oh and, man. That know, was... just like, <laughs> he even no. got his throat clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to do that. He does so, that every time. Um, I, I think, so you had a video that went it got really supported by some big American comedians, and on it you do that Bill Burr. Impression. Yeah, 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 I do the Bill Burr. That was because of Kreischer, Burt Kreischer. Yeah, that's the whole reason he follows me on Twitter. I think it's because he, someone sent it to him. Yeah, this is how this stuff happens. Is it's not, you can tweet and send stuff out all you want, and it doesn't matter. It's usually some random dude who's just like, you know who'd like this? The yeah. machine. Oh, and he yeah. Sent it, and then it was just, uh, and the funny thing is, I watched that impression, and it's, I, I don't even think that's the best version of it because I was doing that. It was just during a set, but it. He was like, he said it blew his mind and he liked it. And then it just, yeah, it got retweeted and got. I think you nailed it because it's like, you know, you're like the, the Bill Burr impression part of it. Cause you did a bunch of impressions. Yeah. You did Jim Carrey. Yeah. I did like, well, oh. I did a section of comedian impressions and I did a section of like micro impressions and then yeah. a section of comedian impressions. Doing uh, street jokes. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you were like, dude. Yeah, dude. Dude, the funny thing. <laughs> dude, the, I can't even do him just talking. You know, it's like, dude, dude why? <laughs> but when you leaned on yeah. the mic stand, I'm like, oh, he's yeah. good. Well, it's he's the got hand, it. dude. Why, <laughs> dude? What the fuck? <laughs> so deliberate. Good. Well, the funny thing is, is so when I moved to Canada, I had I still had my English accent. Mm-hmm. Took me forever to get rid of it. I'll and hear it I, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. In you a little and bit. because I have a Canadian accent over top of it, it sounds almost Boston. Yeah. Because that's what a New England accent is. It's a British accent with American on top of it. Yeah. So I say certain words that way anyway. Right. Years ago, I was in a meeting and a, a lady, it's like at CBS or something, and a lady says to me, she goes, Oh, where in Boston are you from? I go, I'm not wow. from Boston. She goes, Oh, well, you say bean. And I was like, What? Oh. Like, I was like, <laughs> and then, so sure enough, that you hear Boston comics and you're like, Oh, shit, that's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is, it's, you got to be really careful not to, especially when you can do a Bill Burr. It's really, 
especially yeah. trying not to be Bill Burr because <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. so much easier to lean on a superior comic. What is your opinion on people that go somewhere else like Australia or London and yeah. then they pick up the accent from there? Is that bullshit or? Uh... I, I mean, I, it depends on when you go and when you, I mean, it depends on the person, but like, I don't know if you could just, just... if you're like 30 and you've been in like, I don't know, like Texas your whole life and then you fuck off to Greenland for a year. You I don't have... think you're coming back. Yeah. I just don't see it. I, yeah. I maybe. I mean, you know, I, it could happen. I guess it depends. Uh, like, if it's another language, maybe, and you learn to speak that language with that accent. Oh, okay. So maybe you learn to speak Swedish, but in order to make it work, you have to really oh. dig into a Swedish accent. But I've maybe that friends... translates back over yeah. if you never speak English again. Yeah. What about friends that like go to like Australia or London and then they have uh, an accent? And they have to say that's bullshit, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Because that's just. Like it's just weird, yeah. and it's and yeah. the accents are never good. That's the other thing too. <laughs> so I was like, why? Right? Oh yeah, they why just do you have throw an in... accent like you've been kicked in the forehead? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, my. I was like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> you has anyone? Have you any of you had a friend that's done that before? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had an ex girlfriend did that. Too. Okay, she yeah. She moved to England for like a year and came back with a full on British. Accent. I will say yeah, that's this. Fucked. I will say this that after living in London for a while, my English accent did start to pop up again. You were born with it, though. I yeah. was born with it. I grew up with it. And the funny thing is, my accent is very different than my... So my accent's more like my uh, father's accent. Mm-hmm. My dad doesn't have... See, my mom's... Because my mom's Scouse, which is like fucking from the northwest, like, like Liverpool area. And she has that to her, that twang. But my dad... Like, his sister has, like, a very proper British accent because they tried to kick the family up a notch. Oh, okay. So my dad has, like, this really weird kind of gentleman's accent. But it's a combination of a lot of things. And so my accent ended up to be this weird amalgamated British accent. So now when I do a British accent, it sounds like this. This is the this is the type of accent I do now mm-hmm. when, I, when I lean on a British accent. And I'm not sure whether that's the accent I would have had I stayed there or because we were living just outside of London. You sound so classy. I don't know. It's funny though because like if I did my if if I did my comedy like this, I don't think it would sell as well. Mm. The government's lying to you. You're being fucked over. <laughs> you <laughs> fall right too, back too, into it. Relaxing. That you fall into that like a, like a comfy bed. It's weird though. It's like it really is like <laughs> if I was a single man, I could just like you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like well, we roll the dice. Where do you want to be? <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, Steph, you, you still look like a bag of potatoes. Oh, come on. Be nice up to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, that's been an hour. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Wow. That was like Thank 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. That was oh, so God. fun. Sorry we were so sorry we this went long. This is the best, yeah, this man. Great. This I, was I the best. Fun. I wish I was that way fun. in the bedroom. Hey, yeah. <laughs> shit okay. In box. Uh, yeah. Okay. Over an hour. Take a shit. <laughs> you say you shit put in, in a box. He's never going to let that go. <laughs> I, I think it's fucking hilarious. I, I think that's going to be my first ad read on this yeah, podcast. I think shit that box. should be when you're brought on stage. Ladies and gentlemen, we used to shit in boxes. Dave Harris. I should have never told that story. Oh, no. No, it's great. It's going viral. Yeah, it's in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Dave Harris. Oh, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Comedy Here Often podcast. Thank you to our guests, Simon King and Dave Harris. On future episodes, we have different comedians coming on. We have Yumi Nagashima. We have Kyle Bottom, Charlie Demers, and a whole bunch of other ones. So make sure to follow our socials so you know what's going on. Thank you. Bye.